Alright, I think we're ready. <clears throat> we're going to build on uh, what we talked about last week and looking at um, this hour last week was on work ethic and uh, how we should all be uh, diligent about um, the work that we endeavor to do uh, in our everyday life and, in, and for, for God and in the kingdom. And, uh, you know, that's something that we, we all need to focus on and be mindful of. We're also going to build on uh, the lesson from the third hour last week. So what, what, what is the work of an evangelist slash preacher? Uh, what is the work that uh, the Bible defines for that office and that position? Um, as we talked about last week out of Ephesians uh, 4 and verse 11, he gives, um, Paul says, and he gives, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And he goes on to talk about uh, why, and we'll talk a little bit about that, a little bit more about that today. Um, and one thing we also, and we mentioned this last week, and I think it's worth mentioning again uh, in dealing with, with any topic that we um, come to in, the, in, in our Bibles uh, is this idea of what has our culture and what has the world um, made us have preconceived ideas about and made um, influenced our decisions um, for ourselves. And let's try to make sure uh, that we always keep those things out and just focus on what, what does our Bible say? What does our uh, what would God have for us to do? How would God have for His church to look? And uh, more specifically, as we talk today, uh, what has God told us the uh, work of an evangelist is and what should that look like for us today? Um, I think it's also important to uh, make note that this topic is, is important. Uh, you know, we, we spend a lot of time and effort and energy understanding the work of the eldership. What what are their qualifications? What is their work after their elders? Uh, what disqualifies them uh, from being elders as God would define? And, and I think, I know we have more information on uh, this topic of evangelists and, and preachers um, than we do the eldership. And so that's something that I think uh, we need to keep in our mind is we need to know this. We need to know uh, how God would have for this to look and how uh, we should think about this topic in particular. So last week, we really focused on uh, Timothy and Titus and went through um, all three of those books and tried to pluck out the verses that uh, talked about uh, their work as uh, Paul told them uh, what they should do while they were where they were. All right, so we know um, Titus was in, in Crete and uh, Timothy uh, was in Ephesus, so... Um, what were they to do while they were there? And so today, like I say, I want us to build on that. Um, and so I'm coming back uh, to Titus and Timothy. We'll talk a minute about Philip. And then throughout this lesson, I'm going to have things sprinkled in about Paul. Um, and these dates, I'm not a first century historian. Uh, I compiled these to try to take several different timelines uh, from uh, the Internet and compile several different ones to try to come up with as close a date as I think uh, that we can. And 
just put them up there just for us to ponder on and think about. Uh, so don't take them as gospel. Um, even the, even most of them give you a range. It's not nobody knows exactly. So um, and I wish this displayed on my screen, but it doesn't. Um, so about a little bit about Titus. Uh, we know that he went to Corinth. Uh, if you look in Second Corinthians. <clears throat> This is giving us some more information. Um, I think it's it's helpful to understand more about these two fellows' work before we get to the books that were written about them. So next couple slides will be just that, just looking at what were they doing uh, before we get to First and Second Timothy and Titus, uh, that time frame there, because the time frame is definitely later than this. So Second Corinthians seven, uh, verses six and seven. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation which, which, he has comforted, which he was comforting you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I re rejoiced even more. So we know, um, at least it seems, that Titus went to Corinth sometime between the writing of First and Second Corinthians. So um, he's not mentioned in... Uh, 1 Corinthians, but he's mentioned in 2 Corinthians. So this seems, this time frame between those two writings seems to be when Paul is writing this. And you can see both of these letters were written uh, very close together in the span of two years. So we don't know exactly which years, but they, they weren't that far apart. Uh, so at least it seems that Titus was there in between uh, those two. It also says in chapter 8 and in verse 16 and 17, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. So Titus uh, went to them uh, to encourage them and check on them. It says here, on his own accord. He did that of his own will. And so we, we see, I think, this, this care for uh, the saints uh, that Paul had. Evidently, Titus had as well, this, this care to check on uh, the saints. Second Corinthians 12 14 through 18. Now for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. But be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you uh, cunning. Did I take advantage of you? By any of those whom I sent to you, I urged Titus and sent your brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? And so, you know, here, here we get this, um, you know, Paul saying he's not burning them, and he's also saying Titus didn't burn them. And that seems uh, to be in a financial sense, especially if you look how Paul talks about, talks about that in the other two books. So it doesn't appear that Titus uh, took money from him either. And then you can also see Titus, he's mentioned in Galatians 2 and verse 1, going to Jerusalem. Uh, and so those are all the mentions that I'm aware of of Titus and where we find him before we get to the book of Titus. Timothy, uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to read all of these just for the, for the sake of time, but you can see uh, through the book of Acts he was really involved with Paul. He was with him in a lot of his journeys. Paul left him at a lot of places. Uh, I say a lot, he left him at several so they'd be traveling and he would leave him or they'd be traveling and he would send him here and so and then Paul would catch back up with him or then Paul would send to grab him you know hey come to me and so you have these several mentions of, of him being through the book of Acts with Paul uh, we see 
Paul picks him up in Lystra. Uh, and that's really the first time we have any mention of Timothy. He stays in Berea. Uh, and then he comes to Paul at Athens. And then he goes to Corinth. Uh, and then he's, he travels through Macedonia and on to Troas. And then uh, we see that he was in Corinth teaching. In the book of 1 Corinthians, we see that. Uh, we see that he is uh, in Philippi. And we also see uh, that he was went to Thessalonica to, to encourage the brethren through, through the trial. So um, here again, I think we see uh, you know, that mention of, the, of, of in Thessalonians, encouraging them through their trials. I think here again we see that same um, mentality in Timothy that we just saw in Titus and that we see in Paul, that he's wanting to encourage uh, the brethren uh, where they were. And I want to spend, I mentioned Philip last week, uh, and I want to talk about this for, for a minute, but if you will go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and in verse 5. Let's start in verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And so we have Paul being dispersed, you know, this is the dispersion of those out of Jerusalem. It says in verse 4, those that were scattered, they went everywhere preaching the word. And then we pick up with Philip. He's, it's specifically that he goes to Samaria preaching Christ to them. Chapter 8 and verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord, um, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And so here we have this story of Philip uh, being called by the angel to go preach to the Ethiopian eunuch. And so that's the story we have there. And then you get to chapter or, yeah, chapter 8 and verse 40. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And so here we have uh, him going to Azotus and then preaching through all the cities until he gets to Caesarea. And I don't know how many cities that was. I, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend to understand that. But I do know he was out preaching uh, in that time frame. Chapter 21, and in verse 8, is the last time that I'm aware of that we um, pick up Philip, the same Philip we're talking about in chapter 8. Chapter 21 and verse, verse 8. On the next day, he who were Paul's, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. And so, you know, I mentioned last week that the span between chapter 8 and chapter 21 is about 20 to 25 years. Um, and I also mentioned that I don't think we can draw a lot of conclusions based off of an evangelist's work or how long an evangelist should be somewhere or any of those kind of things based off of these facts. Um, part, and I want to spend just a minute explaining, explaining that a little further. So one of the things, well, we really don't know what he was doing between chapter 8 and, verse, and chapter 21. We know that he went through all the cities preaching, and then we get to this verse, and then it just says we're told that he's Philip the Evangelist. Uh, and so we don't know what his work was while he was there. He was obviously in Caesarea a very long time. He was there at least 20, 25 years. I don't, I don't know if he stayed there to his death. I don't, I don't know any of that information. But I do know he was there sometime between the time frame of 20 and 25 years. But I don't know his work. I don't know what he was doing from day to day. Another thing that I think uh, we have to consider is 
it says here in the reading, Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven. So um, am I supposed to take that as Philip the evangelist as that's what he was doing in Acts chapter 8? Or am I supposed to take that as that's what he was doing the whole time? I don't know. And so I'm not going to draw a lot of conclusions based off of this verse because I think that there's a strong argument to be made that Philip the evangelist is just something to tell us which Philip we're talking about. All just like who was one of the seven. And so I think it could be a good argument for saying this is just a descriptor because there was multiple Philips in our Bibles. And this is, I think, uh, there's a strong argument to say this is just saying um, exactly which Philip we're talking about. Um, but I do think it's worth, you know, understanding uh, what he was doing in Acts chapter 8. Uh, and so, like I say, I think that could be a very good descriptor of who he was and that can help us understand some of those things. But I don't want to spend uh, a lot of time on Philip and speculating on, on any of those things when we have so much information about Timothy and Titus and Paul, uh, which is where I think we have the most information about an evangelist or preacher and their work uh, and their, what they're supposed to be doing um, in that work. This is a recap of everything we read last week, and I felt like it was worth just putting up on, on the board and letting us uh, look at these things. Uh, just as they're listed and not going back and necessarily reading all those verses we read last week but uh, just taking them, taking these things into account and so just to, it helps me to see these things all out in one place and so what is that work given to do and so um, we do see that Timothy and Titus if, if you go back and read through that all of those um, descriptors in there and all of that work that they were told to do by Paul was seemed to be internal to uh, to the church um, and so I think we get uh, the ideas of external what, what should evangelist or preacher be doing external we get that, most of that information or all that information from, from Paul but you see this charge instruct, be an example exhort, meditate, rebuke teach, command, hold fast the pattern, set things in order that was mentioned in Titus, show integrity reverent, affirm sound words, commit to uh, remind them, be diligent, rightly divide the truth, be patient, uh, correct those that are in opposition, continue in the doctrine, preach, convince, endure, appoint elders, uh, be sound in speech, and reject. And so you see how much of these words are, are centered around this idea of teaching. Uh, there, there's so much of that that's centered around that. That was the bulk of their work, it seemed to be, was teaching uh, and exhorting. Uh, seemed to be the bulk of their work uh, where they were. And so I hope that's, that's helpful uh, for y'all to see in that way because it's helpful for me at least. So when we get to the work of an evangelist, um, if you'll flip over to Ephesians 4, and I'd like for us to read this again. We read it last week. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? Why did he do this? Verse 12, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of, to the, measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies according to the effective working 
by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so verse 12, that's, that's why those offices were given. Those offices were given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, so the saints could do the work for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that, I think that we have to keep that in mind. Why um, do these offices exist? Why do these uh, offices, jobs, however you want to think about it, how, why do they exist? 2 Timothy 2 and in verse 2. Start there in verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so here again we have this, this idea of teaching, teaching others so that they, teaching faithful men so that they can teach others. Titus 1 and verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. And so Titus' work was to set those things in order. Set, um, set the things that in order that are lacking and appoint elders. So there was evidently some things lacking in, in Crete, those cities of Crete, that Titus was supposed to set in order. And so... I think understanding what the work of an evangelist is, what is the job description of an evangelist, what are they supposed to be doing, demands the question, um, what is the evangelist's work when elders have been appointed, or if we don't have men that are uh, qualified to be elders, um, or faithful men are able to do the work. Uh, so if that job is to equip the saints to do the work, when those saints are equipped to do the work, um, where, where is the room uh, for that evangelist to be? And so I think you have to, um, that also begs the question, was this position ever to be, was, ever, was it ever intended to be a long-term position at any given place? And so we see the, the pattern uh, that we see by Paul and Timothy and Titus both is that they weren't anywhere for very long. Uh, you know, we, we pointed out last week that Paul the longest stint he had was in Ephesus. It was for three years. And then the second longest was Corinth. It was a year and a half. We also pointed out that uh, last week that uh, Timothy uh, seemed to have been there around six or seven years uh, where he was. Titus, um, you can make the argument that he was there about six or seven years. Um, I don't know the exact... Titus is a little harder to nail down on timing, but the longest you could stretch it out would be that same time frame, six or seven years. Uh, and so we know that they weren't there very long at any given place. Um, and we also have to think about what's the job of elders? Uh, what are they supposed to be doing? So we know that that's an office uh, left for us. Look at Acts chapter 20. This is Paul speaking to uh, the Ephesian elders there. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so uh, Paul's telling them that, look, Savage wolves are going to come in. Even savage wolves among you, among the elders, are going to rise up and try to take the flock away. And so what's he telling them? You watch. 
And remember that for three years uh, I did not cease to warn you about this. And so their job uh, that we see there in Titus, Titus chapter 1, Titus chapter 1 starting in verse 9, this is towards the end of those qualifications there, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict, for there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of circumcision, who miles must be stopped, who subvert whole household, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. And so you couple those two together. So what's the work of elders? The work of elders is to um, make sure that folks don't carry away the flock by false doctrine. So they're supposed to be able to teach and to do those things. And then we, we see teachers, uh, and we won't spend a lot of time on that, but teachers are supposed to be uh, <laughs> equipping uh, the saints as well. They are to teach others so that they can, you know, they're out of uh, Timothy, to teach faithful men so that they can teach others. So that's the job of teachers. <clears throat> and I've, I've come across this in my studies and, and talking. Someone might, you know, you could say, well, there's always equipping and work to do. So should that evangelist or preacher position, there's, that, that work is always there to do. Well, think about Ephesus when Paul left. We just read when he, when he was exhorting the, the Ephesian elders, he wasn't still at Ephesus when he did this, but uh, you think about the shape he left Ephesus in, uh, and we see what Paul's telling those Ephesian elders, what's, what's coming. And so Paul could have said, well, look, I've got a lot of work to do back here at Ephesus, because guess what? He's telling them, false teachers are coming. Corinth. We've got the books of First and Second Corinthians. There was work to do. There was definitely work to do. Uh, but Paul recognized that he needed to move on. He needed to equip the saints uh, to do the work. <coughs> so, what should an evangelist every day or every I got work day look like? I, you know, I don't know. I didn't know exactly how to frame that. So, um, anyway, be filled with doing the work, doing the work of the kingdom. Uh, and I just put a bunch of questions up here. Does that include individual Bible study? Yes, we see that. Uh, he tells, uh, I believe it was Timothy, studies show yourself approved to God. Workman does not mean to be ashamed, right? They're dividing the word of truth. So yes, it includes that. Does that include Bible studies with the members? I would say yes. That, we see that in Timothy and Titus. They were supposed to be edifying and teaching faithful men so that they could teach others. Uh, does that include studies with non-members? I think we look to Paul for that. Yes, Paul was going about in the synagogues, uh, teaching and preaching others, uh, teaching and preaching to others that weren't, weren't members of the church. Uh, does that include being involved in good deeds in the community? I would say yes, we get that out of Timothy and Titus. They were supposed to be good examples uh, to those around them. Um, and we talked about this last week. Does it include spending countless hours, number of hours, arguing with other evangelists or preachers, or reading commentaries, or researching topics that strive about worse to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. We see that mentioned, I believe it's uh, nine times in these, in these three books. He, tell, he mentions that several times, and so I think that's something that we need to step back and really think about uh, when we look at this position, because he warns them about that constantly. Timothy and Titus, he does. Um, does it include rebuking others? Yes. We get that out of uh, Timothy in the books of First, First, Second Timothy, and Titus. Does it include pointing elders? Yes, we see that in both books uh, to Timothy and Titus. Um, and then, you know, I have this down down here as maybe more of a thought question. But um, how long should it take before an evangelist is locally famous? And I didn't know really any better word than that. But you you look at Paul. 
he become famous pretty quick in a lot of places. You look at Acts 20. Um, Acts 20. And it, this happened in other places, but this was the most concise example I could find. After the uproar had ceased, and this is the uproar in Ephesus. So he was, Paul was there for three years in Ephesus. So after the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. So, you know, when you, when you, read, when you read back, if you go back and read this story, uh, the whole city's in uproar because Paul's teaching. All right? So I would say he's locally famous in Ephesus. People know who Paul is. All right? Verse 2, Now when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed there three months. And when the Jews plotted against him, as he was about to sell to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And so here again, the Jews are plotting against him. And we see them having to let him down in a basket in other places. So, um, you know, I think, I think this, this right here, just thinking about those concepts from Paul and how he uh, interacted with the community that he was, that he was with, we see that Paul's example for us in that is that that position is very is very open, very out front. Uh, the community knows who this guy is. Um, and so I just think it's something worth us thinking about. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this and wanted to kind of go back through it a little bit more and, and think about um, how do we apply these kind of things. So what is the pattern in the New Testament uh, for an evangelist to fund his activities? So we all know traveling costs money, and it costs money to breathe. You got to eat. You got to—I mean, it's just there's cost associated with everything we do. So, how uh, did uh, the evangelists in the New Testament go about funding their activities? I think that's a legitimate question I ask. So, what did Paul do? Um, and so we see that while he was uh, in Ephesus, he tells uh, the Ephesian elders there in, in Acts 20. Uh, in verse 33, I've coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands are provided for my necessities and, and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said is more blessed to give than to receive. And so we see that Paul, while he was in Ephesus for three years, his hands supplied the needs of the, uh, himself and those uh, who were with him. We also see in Corinth that he was there um, in eight, chapter 18 and verse 3 so because he was of the same trade this is Aquila and Priscilla that he's referring to he, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation they were tent makers uh, and then in verse 5 when Silas and Timothy had come well verse 4 and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ and so um, we know that for a period of time, while he was in Corinth, um, he was working with his own hands. He was building tents with Aquila and Priscilla to fund his activities in the kingdom, to fund his work in the kingdom. Uh, but we also know that there was money uh, brought to him uh, from Macedonia. So he received support while he was there. Uh, we know that very clearly. Uh, Philippians 4 talks about... Um, Paul receiving funds while he was while he was preaching. First um, Corinthians nine. I wanted to read this, but uh, we're, I'm I'm way short on time. Um, but First Corinthians nine, and I have this question up here. We know a church has authority to support an evangelist. We know that it's very clear in scriptures that from the Old Testament to the New, that those who are doing the work should be supported. 
Uh, we, we, should, we need to be very open to that. Uh, but is that the pattern that we see Paul using most of the time, all the time, or some of the time? I think it's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Um, we know it certainly wasn't all the time. I can't answer the other two. I don't know if it was most of the time or some of the time, but we know it wasn't all the time. We know it wasn't all the time they did that. And in 1 Corinthians 9, he explains more about why, why he did that, especially at Corinth, but he did it at Ephesus as well. And so um, here's another question that we need to make sure we ask ourselves is just because something is lawful, does that mean it's profitable? Does that mean that's what we should do? Because Paul makes it very clear, it says liberty to take money from Corinth. He had the right to demand it. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. And so, um, you know, I think we need to, it's very, it's very much worth our time to think about uh, this question, this concept, especially posed by Paul, about uh, why he did what he did. And we also know that in the books of Timothy and Titus, that he never uh, told them to expect or demand money from where they were, and we never have any mention of, of them being paid by anyone, uh, any, any church. All right, so I want to recap, and then uh, we'll close, and uh, Corey's got a, um, as already been mentioned, Corey's got a song service uh, designed around this topic of evangelism and, and uh, spreading the word, and um, I'm glad he's put in the time and effort to do that, and I appreciate him doing that. So, recap. The three evangelists and preachers we have the most information about are Paul, Timothy, and Titus. The office slash job description is to equip the saints to do the work, set things in order as he told Titus in Crete, encourage and strengthen the saints as we see Paul, Timothy, and Titus all doing, evangelize in the community, and appoint elders. We see Paul taking funds from other churches and working with his own hands to fund his work in the kingdom. We see both of those. We do not see Paul, Timothy, or Titus staying anywhere longer than six or seven years, give or take. An evangelist job requires a lot of work, time, and effort. Uh, these are busy people. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you read through uh, Acts, Paul was a busy man. You read through his tasking of Titus and Timothy, he expected them to be busy people. They had a lot of work to do. Paul, Paul set tall orders for them. And so um, these folks are busy. Uh, about the work of the kingdom. So we've not, we've not talked uh, this morning about um, necessarily about how to become a Christian or uh, the great blessings uh, that, we, that we have of Jesus and His sacrifice for us, but I'd like for us to go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 and in verse 1 before we close today, before Mr. Ori leads us in 402. 402 is the song of limitation. Let's read Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive uh, together. Even when we made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, 
and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we see in this passage here in Ephesus that um, the saints he's writing to, and we're included in this, that we once walked according to the prince of the power of the air. But we also see that God, in his, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of the great love which we have loved us, even when we were dead in these trespasses, He makes us alive with Christ. It's by grace that we've been saved. He's raised us up uh, together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so we know that it is by, by mercy and by grace that we're saved through faith in verse 8. There's not anything that we could do. And so I think we see, especially uh, here and many other places, that it's not of our own power but it's through the power of Jesus' blood that we're all saved. And we need to all remember that uh, and keep that in mind. And uh, So if there's any way this morning that uh, we as the saints here uh, could help you or, or pray for you in a matter of salvation, we ask you to come forward as we stand and sing. <laughs>